Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, September 1st. 2021. This is Shannon, and I'm here with Natalia today, and we are going to talk about one of Natalia's favorite things, marriages. (laughs) Good marriages, rocky marriages, maybe even accidental marriages. I have an accidental marriage book. (laughs) So... I'm going to get started with the usual housekeeping information, then I will dive right in to my first book and we'll go back and forth and share some of our very favorite books about marriage. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So my first pick tonight is a recommendation that came courtesy of the lovely Sarah, whose birthday it is as we are recording. And she has told me off and on for the past little while about an author named Chloe Lease and how I would really, really like her stuff if I would just give it a chance. And so when we decided to do the marriage episode, I remembered that there was a Chloe Lease book that would fit this. And so I'm going to talk about Ever After Always. It is the Bergman Brothers, book three, again, by Chloe Lease. This is the story of Freya and Aiden. And they have been married for 10 years at the time that this book opens. So Freya is part of a very big, kind of rambunctious, very loving family. She has five brothers and one sister. And Aiden has kind of grown up just him and his mom on their own. Um, Life was not always easy for them. And Aiden has some kind of emotional, emotional baggage that he keeps with him throughout his life because of the way he spent his childhood. So when the book opens, Freya has told Aiden that he needed to leave their home and she needs some space to reflect and take stock of their marriage. And we don't know why when we first start reading, but it soon becomes clear that for various reasons, Aiden has been pulling further and further away from Freya as time has gone by. And As she tries to draw him closer, he goes further and further away. And they have talked about wanting to start a family. They've had some infertility struggles. And Freya just doesn't understand, like, what's happened to her marriage. Like, why do they feel more like strangers than ever before? 
To complicate matters, it is now time to celebrate her parents' 35th wedding anniversary. And one of her brothers decides that the entire family should go to Hawaii for a vacation to celebrate this like momentous milestone of their parents' marriage. And so they go, and Aiden comes too, because Freya doesn't want to sort of overshadow her parents' you know, happy time with her stress. And so she and Aiden have to kind of pretend that everything is right with their world, only it isn't. And you see little bits and pieces of this kind of flipping through all of the kind of, you know, madcap shenanigans that this large family gets up to, but you can see sort of the, the cracks in the foundation of of their marriage. And throughout this week in Hawaii and the time that they spend at home together afterwards, they each are forced to put in some very deep emotional work to kind of get their marriage back on track. This is such a lovely, lovely look at the complexities of marriage when you love someone deeply, but the person that you love the most also has the most power to hurt you. Um, Chloe Lise is a masterful writer. She has such a way of bringing just the small, like tiny details of her characters are so fleshed out and they feel just like real people. Um, There is some really good disability rep here. Aiden deals with a lot of anxiety. And as someone who has dealt with anxiety all of my life, I really appreciated that kind of sensitive look at a disorder that a lot of people don't fully understand. Um, There are three books currently out in the series. The fourth one is coming out um, in a couple of weeks. And apparently she has some other books that um, are not available in audio, but I'm really, really excited to discover more of what Chloe Lee has written. So this is Ever After Always, The Bergman Brothers, book three by Chloe Lee. I knew that, but I have to read one and two first because, you know, that's how it goes. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, what is it? Only When It's Us is the first one okay all right and let's see always only you is the second one i can't believe i've never read this author well my first book of today is accidents of marriage by randy susan myers Uh, and we're gonna take a little bit of a, a darker turn here um this is about maddie and ben and um they've been married for some time They've got three kids. So the story is told by the perspective of Maddie, Ben, and her their 14-year-old daughter. And um, Maddie's a social worker who fell for this fiery, passionate public defender. And uh, Ben is um, somehow going through something where he's just lashing out at his wife during his periodic versions of fury. So... It's gotten to the point where they're so used to this lashing out that she goes from tiptoeing around him to asserting herself to make things as peaceful as possible for their kids until one rainy day when they're in the car together uh, and Ben's volatile temper gets the best of him and and ends up leaving Maddie in the hospital fighting for her life. (gasps) And, you know, Ben never thought that his recklessness would lead to tragedy. So this book 
is very much about understanding what happens to marriage when there is spousal and emotional abuse when it's not physical but actually emotional and it's very resonating it resonated with me because it, it talks about a lot of what we justify to ourselves about what happens in relationships and what the challenges are family faith and forgiveness because I feel like it's a topic that we barely see in fiction we always you know it's, it's always an extreme um, we never really see the damaging effects of only emotional abuse and this story really pinpointed in a way that it stayed with me forever. So this is Accidents of Marriage by Randy Susan Myers. Excellent, excellent book. Wow. Wow. I am going to have to, to pick this up. So let's inject a bit of a speculative turn into this lovely marriage episode and we will talk about the echo wife by sarah gailey and this is kind of a like a mashup of like general fiction and science fiction so this is the story of evelyn caldwell and Evelyn has been married for quite a while. She is a successful scientist and her husband is kind of a, a partner in her company, but it's sort of an open secret that Evelyn is the, like the power behind this company and behind all the research that has been done. And one of the things that they've been working on is cloning. And they want to use this for, you know, medical procedures that people need to have done. Um, and they're really trying to navigate some of the ethical issues surrounding this. But Evelyn's husband has a different sort of more self-serving idea for what to do with human tissue that you clone. And so he has decided that he is going to create for himself the perfect wife. He is going to clone Evelyn using Evelyn's own research. And once this clone has matured and been properly like, trained the way he wants her to be, he will have a wife that is like unrivaled. It will be exactly what he wants. So, we fast forward through a period of time. And in this novel, you're not like seeing this play out in order. You're seeing it kind of in a, a flashback sense because when the story opens, the husband is dead. And Evelyn has received a phone call from Martine who is the clone. And Whoa. Martine tells her, yes. That Martine is crazy. tells her that something has gone terribly wrong. And she has killed their husband. And Evelyn kind of chafes at this. Like, she doesn't like the idea that it is sort of their husband. Like, he, he used her. He stole from her. He left her. And yet she is still kind of required to clean up the mess that was created by, by his, his cloning and his just overall irresponsibility. So Evelyn and Martine meet for the first time and they have to work together now to figure out what to do in the face of, of this murder. Um, 
And throughout the story, we see not only how they're dealing with it, like in the present, but we also see from both the perspective of Evelyn and Martine, what their marriage to this man was like. So in the actual, you know, present timeline of the story, you're not really seeing the marriage play out. Like I said, it all kind of relate, is related in, in the series of flashbacks that let you know that things were not always great. They weren't always terrible, but they certainly were not always great. Um, Sarah Gailey has written quite a few books and they have spanned a variety of genres, but they all seem to have this sort of feminist bent to them where you really examine the cost of society on, on women and other marginalized populations. So this is kind of a female empowerment story, but beneath the surface of that, you do get to see a marriage sort of in, in trouble and the ways in which people decide to fix that and usually those ways are not healthy. So this is The Echo Wife and it's by Sarah Gailey. Sounds almost like the non-thriller version of The Perfect Wife by J.P. Delaney. Oh yeah, that is kind of like a clony, like- Yeah, like kind of. Automaton, like kind of thing, yes. <laughs> And speaking of marriage and inequality, which is actually a very, a topic I am so, so incredibly passionate about marriage, equality in marriage and children, as much as I love like the romance of it. And I love books about marriages and trouble. And I like books about weddings. Um, there has never been a book quite like this <laughs> uh, that I have read that has a, uh, demonstrated what my rage has been like since I had kids uh, in such a phenomenal way. Now, full disclosure, my rage isn't for my own husband, um, which is really strange. Like I've been living with this rage about how society operates when my own husband is the complete opposite of, of um, you know, the societal expectations, I guess, or the societal, societal ideals, like in this book. I think a lot of women will identify with this book, The Husbands by Chandler Baker. And uh, this book is about Nora. Um, and Nora is about three months, almost four months pregnant. Kind of like me. It's kind of miraculous. And um, she's married to Hayden. And uh, she's a successful attorney. You know, everything should be going well, this is, you know, she's pregnant with her second child. Her first daughter is almost four. It's a nice time to have another kid. But when it comes to domestic life, Nora's the one that packs the lunches, schedules the appointment, knows where the extra paper towel rolls are, does the holiday cards. You know, her husband works hard, though. But why does it seem like she's always working so much harder? At one point in where a book begins, the Spanglers are trying to buy a new house since they are expanding their family. And they go to this dynasty ranch in this suburban neighborhood where Nora meets a group of really high-powered women like herself, a CEO, a neurosurgeon, an award-winning therapist, a best-selling author. Except the only difference between her and them is that they have enviously enviably rather is the word supportive husbands 
unlike her husband, which, you know, she's obviously in denial about at first, like most of um, us can be. But when she agrees to help with one of the residents' wrongful death cases in order to further her chances of becoming partner in her law firm, she's pulled into the lives of the women there. And she finds that the air is completely different in Dynasty Ranch because the other women, they're not hanging on like a threat by a thread like she is. But as the case unravels, Nora uncovers a, a plot that can explain the secret to having it all. Oh, yes, it can. One that might be worth killing for. So, this was such a wild ride. It is such a wild book. <laughs> just, just think about like the Stepford's wives gender swap. Where yes. the husbands imagine that the world where the burden of the second shift is equally shared and what it may take to get there. I mean, how far are women willing to go for a little more help from their husbands? <laughs> So this quite, is quite far, quite far. Actually, did you know that statistically single mothers do a lot less domestic work and have a lot less domestic stress than married mothers? I did mothers? not know that. Yeah. And in fact, the biggest stress for single mothers, other than, you know, being alone, of course, and having to raise a kid alone 24-7, is like the financial burden well, um, sure, more than anything else. But um, yeah, wow. that's insane to me. You, you would think that with another body in the house, like that would make everything right. better, but apparently not. So this is Husbands by Chandler Baker. And as you can hear, I am like extremely passionate about this subject. I can go on for hours and hours and hours and hours. I, I wish this book had come out when I was, you know, when I just had Gabriel and I was postpartum, but I guess everything happens for a reason. But I feel like the, even though this book is so wild and thrillery and, and crazy, really, um, it's a book everybody should read. 100%. I think it does what a lot of thrillers do. Like, you know, on the surface, it is that like wild ride where, you know, you figure like some of the things in the book wouldn't really happen. Um, right. But then beneath that, it actually has a really relevant story to tell. Like it has kind of a deeper underlying message. So my next book came out earlier this year. This is Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. And this book made me so, so happy from the moment I knew that it was coming out because it is looking at marriage between two women. And even though same-sex marriage has been legal in this country for a few years now, you don't see a lot of actual marriages um, between like two men or two women depicted in fiction. So this book made me really, really happy. So this is Honey Girl, and Honey Girl is told from the perspective of Grace Porter. And Grace is 29. She is an astronomer. She's just earned her PhD, and she kind of feels like she's poised for success. Like she's worked really hard for a long time. She has sacrificed so many things to achieve her educational dreams, and now you know, she's done it. She has her PhD and she goes to Vegas with her two best friends to celebrate. While they're there, she meets someone and they sort of in a like drunken frenzy get married in Vegas. They, they don't know each other. They, they don't even really know each other's names. 
that they get married. So Grace wakes up the next morning. In real life. Would that happen? Yeah, do people do this in like real life? I think so in Vegas. I think so. I don't, I don't think commonly, I don't think people are just like, oh, I think I'll marry a stranger today. But I think in Vegas where you can get married like without much, you know, like you don't have to apply for a license and wait three right. days. Like, I think you could do it. I'm guessing, you know, it's more common in in fiction because it makes a good setup for a book. But it's wonderful. Yeah. This. <laughs> yes. So when Grace wakes up the next morning, she has like this vague memory of meeting this really incredible woman, but you know, she was pretty wasted. So she doesn't remember clearly, but when she wakes up, she is wearing a wedding band. There is a picture and a business card and a note on her pillow. And these were left by Yuki, who is the woman that Grace married. So Grace doesn't really know what to do. She decides she's just going to like pretend this never happened. This was just sort of a blip on her radar. Like she doesn't need to worry about it. She can go back home and live her life, get her great job, you know, devote her time and her energy to science and it will be fine. But when Grace gets back home, she realizes that life as a black astronomer is not what she thought it would be. And that the world of science at large is not really prepared to open itself up to someone like Grace Porter. And so she has a bit of an identity crisis. And because of this, she goes to New York City for the summer to find the woman she married and to get to know this person and to decide kind of what what are they going to do about this sort of, you know, reckless thing that they did in, in Vegas. And so they spend the summer together and they learn a lot about each other and about themselves. But Grace still struggles with societal expectations of a Black woman, with her father's expectations, with a sort of absent, distant mother that never really gave her the things that she needed to feel whole and seen and important. This is just a a triumph of a book in so many ways it has kind of that ridiculous like you know harebrained idea at the beginning of marrying a stranger and like hardly remembering anything about it but it takes that and looks so much deeper at who these women are and who they can be to each other and who they can be together as a couple Um, This is a love letter to deep, lasting connection. It looks at who we are as people, what our family should give us versus what they often do give us, and what happens when we strike out on our own to find, you know, the things that we need for ourselves. Um, This is Honey Girl. It is debut novel by Morgan Rogers, and I highly, highly recommend it, especially if you are looking for a look into like a a same-sex marriage. Uh, My next book is by somebody we talk about quite often. And it was my first book by this author and probably my favorite um, of this kind of book by her, because I think all her books are kind of my favorite. (laughs) But um, this is What Alice Forgot by Leanne Moriarty. And oh, yes. this is about 
which is not my favorite. I know, but you don't, you know, (laughs) we'll fire you later. So, okay. Alice Love. (laughs) Alice Love is 29. She's married and very in love with her husband and pregnant with her first child. So imagine her surprise when she comes to on the floor of the gym and is whisked whisked off to the hospital, discovers that her honeymoon has long been over. She has three children. She is a skinny, um, awesome chick with really expensive, beautiful clothes. And she's getting divorced and she's actually 39 years old. So now Alice must reconstruct the events of a of a decade, um, figure out where these kids came from that she doesn't remember, why she's divorcing her husband that she loves so much because she still remembers herself deep in love with him, um, why her sister's not talking to her, and how is it that this this guy, there's another nice guy that like wants to date her, but she kind of wants to be with her husband. Her husband wants nothing to do with her. Uh, what happened? So ultimately, Alice must discover if forgetting is a blessing or a curse. And is it possible to start over? Well, to mm. find out, you must read What Alice Forgot by Leanne Moriarty. And I, oh man, I enjoyed this book so much. So, so, so much. I tried with this one. And for whatever reason, I just never could connect with it like I love so many of her other things but this one I, I just I don't know I just could not do you're just not romantic tell the truth Shannon. I guess not you need gruesomeness you need Ooh. gruesome and murder oh look I have some like non-romantic gruesomeness for us exactly. because of course I do <laughs> like if her ex-husband had killed her present husband and now was dating her again that'd be great ah, yes. I yes I, I could get behind that right you see, you see. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about some gruesomeness then. So my next book is Too Good to Be True by Carola Lovering. This Ooh. is her second novel. Her first one is called Tell Me Lies. And I have not read it yet, but I plan to really soon because I devoured this one a couple of weeks ago. So this story is told from three different points of view. And at first, you are not going to understand how they connect. And that's okay. Like when I was reading this, I was like, wait, now, like, I know who these people are, but like, what is this other person doing? Like, why do I care about this? And eventually it did all fall into place. So just kind of take a deep breath and enjoy the ride. So we are introduced to Sky. Sky is very wealthy. Um, she lives a bit of a solitary life though. Her mother died when she was 11. And ever since then, she has been dealing with some pretty severe OCD. And this is not sort of the stereotypical OCD that we all kind of like tease each other about like, oh, you're such a neat freak or, oh, you know, you're sitting in my chair, stop it. Like this is actually OCD that is consuming and in many ways destroying her life. But there is a bit of hope, Sky thinks, because she has finally met a wonderful man who is ready and willing to take Sky exactly for who she is. He doesn't want to change her. You know, he, he doesn't become embarrassed by a lot of her compulsions. 
Um, he just seems to really, really love her and want to be with her. And so they are now engaged to be married. And some of the people in Skye's life feel a little conflicted about her relationship because they feel like it happened really quickly. Like, what if she's just, you know, like diving into something without fully understanding it? But Skye doesn't want to hear any of that. Then we meet Burke. And Burke is married. He is the father of three children. And his life has kind of gone off the rails in a really serious way. And he is looking for a way to fix things. But he doesn't quite know how he's going to do it until he has an encounter one night in a bar. Um, He meets a beautiful woman who could be the answer to all these problems that he has. And then, and then we jump back many, many years and we are introduced to Heather. Heather is 17. Um, Her family is not great. She lives in a kind of a small blue collar town with a lot of, of poverty around it. Um, She doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. She knows that she doesn't want to just end up like the women, you know, that she knows. She knows that she wants something more, but she doesn't know how to get it. And then she gets a job babysitting for this family. And the more enmeshed she becomes in their lives, the more she understands exactly what she wants her life to be. But when tragedy strikes, Heather's dreams are threatened. And because of this tragedy and because of things that kind of the fallout of it, this is felt like for years following. And somehow all of this connects to Skye and to Burke. This is the story of love of marriage, of betrayal, of deceit. It is like almost a perfect book. There was a little bit of something at the end that really bothered me. But aside from that, this is a perfect, perfect book. I I loved it so Mm. incredibly much. And I know this is kind of a vague description, but I cannot tell you more without ruining the fabulousness that is too good to be true by Carola Lovering. Have you found that the books with the va- most vague and terrible book jackets end up being the best books? Sometimes. But um, speaking of book jackets, the next book I'm going to talk about is a book that, you know, now that I'm thinking about it and we're talking about marriage, I'm going to tell my husband to read because he loves thrillers like this. And it's called The Last Mrs. Parrish by Liv Constantine. Oh, what a book this is. Like, if I could give this book 20 stars, I would. So this book takes place in Bishop's Harbor, Connecticut. And this is a very exclusive town where everyone knows everyone. And Daphne is a philanthropist married to Jackson, who's a real estate mogul. 
And they are the couple straight out of a fairy tale. They have their kids. They live in a big house. They have everything they could ever want. Until Amber Patterson walks into their lives. (laughs) And Amber Patterson is fed up. She's tired of being a nobody, a plain, invisible woman who blends into the background. She deserves more than life and money and power like the blonde, blue-eyed goddess Daphne Parrish takes for granted. In fact, Amber's envy is so huge, it could probably consume her. Wouldn't it be great if Amber could just consume people? It would make like the world so much easier. Except- Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Amber has a plan. Amber uses Daphne's compassion and caring to insinuate herself into the family's life, which is the first step in a very meticulous scheme to undermine Daphne. So before long, Amber is Daphne's closest confidant. She's traveling to Europe with the parishes and their children. And she's most importantly getting closer and closer to Jackson. But... A skeleton from her past may undermine everything Amber has worked towards. And if it's discovered, her well-laid plan may fall to pieces. Yes. Yes, it may. It may. But this book is full of shocking terms, dark secrets, and will keep you guessing to the very end. If you really want a juicy and addictive thriller from a diabolically imaginative talent that is Liv Constantine, you must must, oh. must, must read The Last Mrs. Parrish by Liv Constantine. And th- this is not going to be anything that you have ever expected or imagined or dreamed. Ever. No. No. The, the two women who make up the writing team of, of Liv Constantine, I think they, like, they must just have wild, wild imaginations because they come up with some of the best twists I've seen in, like, thrillers. So I'm transitioning us briefly um, away from the world of mysteries and thrillers, but don't worry, we, we will what? be back. Yeah. Are you so, being romantic, Shannon? No. <gasps> no. Ooh. I think you're, the Chloe Lee is like the, the closest to romantic I, I got in this episode. Um, but this is The Smash Up by <laughs> Ali Benjamin. Oh, wow. Okay. And it is... One of those books that, like, when you look at it, like, if I just look at the timeline of events, it kind of feels like nothing really happened. Like, there aren't big twists. There aren't, like, these huge revelations that people come to. So it's a little bit more of a a quieter, like, introspective book. But it is the story of Ethan and Zoe. And they moved out of New York City they wanted like a simpler life they they have a daughter who's dealing with some ADHD and they really just wanted something that was going to take away you know some of the like daily stress of living in a big city so they live in this smaller kind of more rural community now and they both do like freelance work um, and life is is pretty good they're a little bit more distant from one another than perhaps, you know, they were like when they first got married, but 
by and large, you know, things are, are going along really, really well. They have um, a nanny who helps with their daughter. Um, both of their jobs seem to be going well. And life is, is just not quite as stressful as it used to be. But then we start to see Zoe kind of getting swept up in some of, like, I don't know, just some, some drama, like some of it is very real and necessary, um, like social injustice. Like she's talking about, you know, police brutality and she's talking about you know, crimes against women and other marginalized populations. And so she gets kind of swept up in this and she becomes what a lot of people would term like a social justice warrior. And it, what I love about this is that it doesn't like point a finger and it doesn't say that like, oh, you know, Zoe is wrong for believing the things that she believes or that Ian is wrong or Ethan, I mean, is wrong for not backing her up like 100%. Um, instead, it kind of takes a, a measured look at each of their perspectives and kind of helps us understand how some of these things that we see on social media might have happened, like how people become so caught up in, in the protests and the marches and the online petitions and how sometimes you can take those things a little bit too far and they can have really devastating consequences. Um, again, it's not a book that I can say a lot about. Like I, I, can't, I can't tell you some like big thing that happens because there's not, it's like a bunch of little things that pile on top of each other to create kind of this perfect storm of like chaos. Like wise no nope not even like that um just mm. very small it's just marriage. subtle yes yes it, it is it's like yeah, just like your daily field. right your, your daily lives the things that draw you together and pull you apart so if you're looking for something that's like super riveting like a real page turner I, I don't think this is it but if you want something that is going to really make you think about not only yourself, but like the people that you surround yourself with and the people that you choose to share kind of your, your most intimate life with. This is, mm. this is a good book for that. So it is The Smash Up by Allie Benjamin. I love the title. I feel like yes, I really it is like a very good book. title. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd like it. I think, you know, yeah. it's, it's not like exciting. It's, but it, it's still very, very impactful. So my next novel is about fire. Not really, not real fire, but metaphoric fire. And this book is called House on Fire. I just remembered this book. Oh, I want to read this. I have Bonnie not read it Kistler. yet. What? Oh. I oh my gosh as soon as I saw the synopsis I like did everything in my power to get my hands on this book and it did not disappoint oh. and this book is about a blended family and a divorced lawyer Lee Hyatt knows too well that most second marriages are doomed to fail but she's five years into hers and she and Pete Connolly have a perfectly blended family of her children and his and where 
we begin our journey. They're celebrating their anniversary. And while grabbing their precious moments, they leave Pete's son, Kip, who's a high school senior, in charge of Lee's daughter, Chrissy, who's 14 years old, in their home. And they don't feel like mm. anything's good. Could anything bad happen? No. Yes. They're, you know, they're teenagers, right? Teenagers are the most responsible, make good decision people ever on um, the planet. Hmm. Yeah. You know, when I was a teenager, whenever my parents went somewhere for a long time, my aunt Ingrid was always there to like supposedly just hang out with us. And now that I'm an adult, <laughs> I understand. I really do. <laughs> so, She's watching. <laughs> I'm sure it was a better well, she was cool, so it was fine, but I think sure, they did the but- right thing. <laughs> so they're driving back on a rainy Friday night and their cell phones start ringing. Turns out after a raucous party celebrating Kip's college acceptance into Duke and his upcoming birthday, he was arrested for drunk driving after his truck crashed into a tree. But he oh. wasn't alone. Chrissy was with him. Oh. And it gets better or worse, depending on your point of view. 12 hours later, Chrissy is dead and Kip oh, is charged with manslaughter. Okay, I need to read this like, right now. Now, yes, yes, yes. Like, I need to like hang up with this right now, and then yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. You know, come back and be finish. <laughs> Good night, Bookmistro. <laughs> Kip has always been very notorious troublemaker, but he's also a star student with a, a dazzling future ahead of him. And at first, Lee rallies behind Pete and and wants to help Kip through his ordeal. You know. Sure. Until like he changes his story, story, you know. Right. Until he changes his story and claims that he wasn't driving after all, that Chrissy was. And he swears there's a witness to this. Oh, Lord. And meanwhile, Lee is stunned that he would lie about such a huge thing while Pete clutches onto the story as a last effort to save his son from prison and, you know, ruined future. And puts all his time, money, and energy into finding this elusive witness. And as the trial date for Kip approaches, husband and wife are torn between loyalty to their children and to each other, while the mystery of what really happened that night intensifies. This is such a thought-provoking novel about psychological exploration, family tragedy, and you won't stop when you start because we all know that we want to know how this ends. Yes, yes, we do. So this is House on Fire by Bonnie Kissler. And yes, Shannon, read it now. I, I, I must. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to take us back to the land of thrillers. I, I told you we wouldn't be gone long. <laughs> this is Black Widows. And it is by Kate Quinn, not Kate Quinn that you think of when you think of like World War II historical fiction. This is Kate with a C. The other Kate Quinn with a C, right? Yes, exactly. Mm. So Blake Nelson is dead. Okay. We we just know this. Like in the beginning of this book, we know that he is dead. In a spider web? No. Too easy. Okay. No, he is, is dead in the desert. and this is a problem for a lot of people obviously 
Now, the police are pretty sure that they know who killed Blake. They're pretty sure it was his wife. But you see, he had more than one wife. He actually has three. And so which of the three wives killed him? So we start this out with Rachel, Tina, and Emily, who are his three wives. And they are each talking to the police about their lives, their, their marriage to Blake, and also their relationship with one another, because they have been involved in a polygamous marriage for a number of years. And this is something that is, you know, frowned upon, like we here in the U.S. are not big fans of polygamy. And yet we know that there are certain religious groups who who practice this and kind of, you know, push it under the radar. We don't always know when it's going on. But now, because of Blake's death, this is sort of pushed to the forefront of kind of the the consciousness of, of this town. So they're trying to piece together the last months of Blake's life. And they really want to understand what happened who actually killed him why did they do it um you know are there things that they still don't know and the answer to that last question is most definitely there are because you see there are rumors that these three wives are not all there are like maybe there's a fourth wife oh and the three each of them claim not to know about this fourth one, but the police aren't really sure that they buy that. Like they think that maybe, you know, they, they do know, maybe one of them knew, it's very hard to figure out. So this is all about like picking apart the pieces of this really complicated family unit to try to understand like where it went wrong. Um, I loved watching kind of the dynamics between the three women. And, you know, they have not lived together in, you know, perfect harmony, as, as you might expect. Um, but not well, So one do doesn't they... do the wash and the other one doesn't cook and the other one doesn't. No, clean. no. Dang. Um, and they like, you know, they, they fight sometimes. There's a lot of like simmering stuff under the surface. But at the same time, these women don't really hate each other either. Like nothing is as you would expect it to be. I loved this book so much. Brooke talked about it like back in February when it first came out. And oh yeah, she did. Yes. And I was really excited um, to pick it up. And it is, it is phenomenal. I have not read, this is the first book I'd read by her and it was, it was amazing. So this is Black Widows and it's by Kate Quinn. So my last book is The New Husband by DJ Palmer. Oh, yes. DJ Palmer. Shannon, have you read this book? I have not read this. I've read a bunch of his other stuff, but not this one quite yet. Oh, you must read this book. I just read uh, The Perfect Daughter. How did you like it? A couple months ago. I liked it. I liked it. it It is wild. This is my favorite, though. Okay. But, you know, it's a marriage book. This is about Nina Garrity, who learned the hard way that her missing husband, Glenn, had been leading a double life with another woman. 
But Glenn is gone now because he was presumably drowned while fishing on his boat. And so she couldn't confront him about the affair or find closure to the life that he blew apart. And no, now, I guess not. Yeah. And now a year and a half later, Nina has found love again. And she hopes Ooh. she can put her shattered world back together. Simon is a widower who is still grieving the death of his first wife. And he thinks he has found his dream girl, Nina. And his charmed love and affection help break through her heart that has been hardened by sadness, betrayer, betrayal. And of course, Nina has two children and her teenage son, Connor, embraces uh, Simon as the father he wishes his dad would have been. While her friends and her daughter see a different side to him. And they're not afraid to use the word obsession. Obsession. But he's just perfect. I mean, he knows all her favorite foods, music, and movies. Her son adores him. He was there when she needed him most. He anticipates her every need. He would never betray her like Glenn did. He's the perfect husband. He checks all the boxes. <laughs> the question is, why? So Nina works really hard to bridge the divide that's become between her daughter and Simon because she wants so badly to believe that her life is getting back on track. But she will soon discover that the greatest danger to herself and her children are the lies we tell ourselves. Isn't that fact? Okay, yes. I do need to read this. So this is The New Husband by DJ Palmer. Shannon, I have never in my life oh. read a book like this. Never. I'm not even exaggerating. You will not believe. I need to move this up. All right. So that is a collection of various books about marriage from all kinds of perspectives. Some romance, some mystery, some just kind of women's fiction. Thanks to Natalia for helping me put together this really cool list of books. As always, thanks goes out to Christine for her fantastic editing. And we do thank all of you for joining us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.